feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show tonight. Air raid sirens going off in the capital city of Ukraine in Kiev as the Russian military is stepping up its bombardment of the capital city in a big way. And going after civilian targets, smashing apartments, also a subway station, many homes, and showing no mercy to the very courageous Ukrainian population. By the way, later on this hour, there was an extraordinary moment that happened today when three world leaders went by train in the middle of a country that is being bombed left and right and went via the war zone route, basically, and went into Kiev and met with President Zelensky, who's going to address Congress tomorrow. One of those leaders was the prime minister of Poland. And coming up in just about 10 minutes or so here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to be talking to Poland's consul to New York about this extraordinary and I think really gutsy and really courageous visit of the Polish Prime Minister, also the Prime Minister of the Czech Republic, and also Slovenia, the three of them going in with the bombing into Kiev today to show solidarity for Ukraine. And we're going to talk about the importance of that. All of you know I am half Polish, my father's Polish, and I am so proud of the gutsy prime minister of Poland that he went in there and sent a message to the world that we are standing with Ukraine. Tomorrow is going to be a very passionate address before the U.S. Congress by President Zelensky. And I want to take your calls tonight to get your thoughts on what he has to say to be able to convince Congress and also, most importantly, President Biden to do more to help Ukraine, because as you're seeing the reports and you're seeing the images, time is of the essence there on the ground because the Russians are closing in. You can see it in all the images on the east and from the north. They are closing in on the capital city and the capital city is just getting relentlessly bombarded tonight from the sky. So tomorrow Zelensky is going to say, help us close the skies Give us those MiG jets that the Poles want to give. Give us also maybe a no-fly zone. Give us maybe some Patriot missile systems. Or like last night we had on the show General Kellogg. You know, what about giving us something to the sense of like an S-300? Those are actually Soviet-made, but they could shoot down some of these airstrikes that are coming in and hitting civilian targets. So tonight, don't we need to do more as we are just seeing a country that is being leveled to the ground as Putin is getting more and more desperate? What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, there was an incredible exchange today with Eric Sean of Fox News. He covers the U.N. for Fox News. And he got a chance to ask Russia's U.N. ambassador, 
the questions that I think a lot of us wanted to ask in terms of when is this going to end? Will Putin give up? Will he surrender? Take a listen to this exchange with Eric Sean of Fox News and Russia's U.N. ambassador, who, boy, just doubled down on everything. When will Vladimir Putin stop his war crimes? When will you stop this obscene assault against Ukraine? And will Vladimir Putin surrender? And what? Will Vladimir Putin no, surrender? I heard the first part. And what? Surrender what? Surrender your assault and barbaric war against Ukraine. Will you stop in the sake of humanity? When, when the goals of the, of the special military operations are achieved, it will stop. It was, uh, it was announced from the very beginning. Uh, I must tell you that uh, I, I appreciate your humane approach, but uh, I didn't see that humane approach. Uh, in all these eight years when Ukrainian forces, uh, Ukrainian armed forces and radicals were shelling and bombing uh, <coughs> Donetsk and Lugansk uh, without any reproach, basically any reproach from the international community. So in other words, we're going to keep going. He just said, until the military objective is completed. And boy, is that a scary premise for the Ukrainian people. In other words, it doesn't really matter what is offered to the Russians. It doesn't really matter necessarily what happens next. They have an objective, and Putin is planning on fulfilling his objective. So tonight, don't you think it's time that maybe we give them the MiGs? Don't you think that it's time that we try to get them at least some of these missile systems that can shoot down, you know, aircraft and that can also do a series of things to give the Ukrainian people a chance to survive? Because this is really crunch time. Take a listen to Senator Lindsey Graham, who says that, you know what, the outcome could be really bleak for the world. Take a listen. A nuclear war ends with everybody losing. So the general staff of Russia is not going to commit mass suicide to please Putin. At the end of the day, somebody's going to win or lose. So the U.N. Secretary General is wrong when he says there's only losers in Ukraine. i tell you this. There will be a winner and a loser. And if Putin wins, God help us all. If the Ukrainians prevail, it would be a better world. So send the jets. Send the jets. Do you guys agree? I absolutely. Listen, there's ways to get the jets in. Why is Biden holding it up? I mean, we heard from former Defense Secretary Robert Gates that Biden has been wrong basically on every foreign policy decision of the past many decades. That includes being the one who said, no, let's not go after Osama bin Laden. Remember, he was in the Situation Room and he was the guy who was against it. Thank goodness Obama went for it and overrode him. But why is he holding back on the MiGs? Why is he so scared of Vladimir Putin? And it doesn't look like there's anything. It looks like we've already escalated it. Clearly, Putin is on the warpath, and he's going to slaughter the Ukrainian people. And he is getting very close, as we can tell. And as you can see from the images, and he is hitting civilian targets left and right. There was a big apartment building that was leveled today, full of people. You have almost 100 children killed, at least. Those are just the numbers that they know of. There are so many more in the rubble. Isn't it time that America takes a stand for who America is? What do you think, everybody? That's what I think. It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, General Ben Hodges 
says that he believes the next 10 days are critical for the Russians because, listen, they were hoping to basically topple the country and topple Kiev in just a matter of days. Clearly, they didn't fulfill that objective, thank goodness, but I don't think they've done the full onslaught yet, as we know. But he says these next few days are critical, which to me is even more reason that we should arm the Ukrainians as much as possible now. Not necessarily put our boots on the ground. I totally don't want to see our sons and daughters there. But I firmly do believe that we should arm them with everything that they have. They have shown that they are noble, courageous fighters. And right now, time is of the essence. What are we going to say after Kiev's leveled? Oh, maybe we should have armed them. That's going to be too late. Take a listen. This is General Ben Hodges, who believes this moment, this window, is key. They're going to go after uh, Kiev, obviously, the way they've gone after Mariupol. And I think what we're going to see is that in the next nine or ten days, uh, Russian forces are going to run out of time, they're going to run out of people, and they're going to run out of ammunition. They're going to, what we would say, culminate. They're going to reach their culminating point. Uh, and they will not be able to continue attacking. This is a decisive week as long as we in the West accelerate the delivery of the capabilities they need. This is a pivotal week, and basically time is of the essence because right now in the capital city, there is a 35-hour curfew in effect that unless you are going to a bomb shelter, you are not supposed to be on the street. And that signals that they have intelligence that a strike is imminent because they want to make it clear that those on the streets are only the invaders, are only the Russians coming in and make it clear that if you're on the street, you do not have good intentions. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert real quick in Westchester. Robert, your thoughts real quick. Rita. Everything in life begins with a conversation. If you do a search on the Internet, you put Obama, manage, decline, America, you will see that the Obama administration began managing the decline of the United States of America. Biden is Joe Obama. It's Obama 2.0. He's continuing to managing the decline of the United States of America. He's demoralized, as Obama did, the people with his words making people feel like they're lesser than they were. And the other countries won't even take his calls, I understand, about the oil, the oil uh, problems that we have here. That's absolutely right. And by the way, um, as you point out, UAE is not taking his call. Saudis are not taking his call. And I wish, by the way, that Moscow would take his call because I wish he could negotiate some sort of deal. But you're right. Our president has sadly so much been on the sidelines. Robert, thank you very much for the call. And when we come back, we are going to talk to Poland's consul in New York, Adrian Kubitsky, because talk about leaders, three world leaders, talk about gutsy leaders, went into the war zone and they met with President Zelensky today in Kiev, including Poland's prime minister. Poles know the war, they understand the fight, and they understand the courage of Zelensky. We're going to talk about that when we come back. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. 
And as the bombs are flying in the capital city of Kiev, Ukraine, the prime ministers of three countries, Poland, the Czech Republic and Slovenia, traveled to Kiev by train in a sign of solidarity. What an amazing move. Take a listen to General Jerry Boykin talking about the message this visit sent. I thought that was one of the uh, most courageous things that I've seen done by uh, a a diplomat, a head of state, uh, a politician. That was awesome. And uh, I think that it uh, was very encouraging to the uh, Ukrainian people. I think it was encouraging to Zelensky himself, obviously. And, uh, wow, wish that uh, we could see that kind of courage throughout Europe. Absolutely. And one of the individuals who was on the trip, one of the three world leaders, was Poland's prime minister, Mateusz Morawiecki. And joining us now to talk about all of this is Poland's consul in New York, Adrian Kubicki. Um, Consul, talk about the message that this sent, I think, to the world. I'll tell you, I was cheering loudly. You know, I'm so proud of my Polish heritage. And uh, when I saw that the prime minister of Poland got on a train in the middle of you know, of the war, went to a war zone and sent such a powerful message to the world. What message do you think it sent? Good evening, Rita. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I think that a major purpose of of this trip, which has been obviously coordinated with our allies within the European Union and also NATO, it has been secretly uh, prepared. We have to remember that Mr. Zelensky is probably the most uh, hunted person right now, um, the Russians want to track him down and, and basically uh, kill him. So so we have to, there, there, there has been a lot of uh, issues regarding safety and security of, of everyone involved. But yet, I think that the main purpose is to show that uh, actions are actually speaking much stronger uh, than words. Uh, and we want to show to the uh, world that we are not going to be threatened. Uh, we're not going to be scared uh, by the actions uh, by Mr. Putin. We stand uh, with Ukraine, uh, as our Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki said uh, tonight. Uh, Ukraine is a European country with European ambitions. Uh, it is an independent country, and we will. Uh, I think not just the three of of, of the leaders. Actually, four, because Poland was represented also by Deputy Prime Minister Mr. Jarosław Kaczyński. Absolutely. Um, uh, they they emphasized that not only on behalf of those three countries, but generally um, uh, the, on behalf of everyone who who cherishes the same values: democracy and freedom. Poland know and learned the hard way uh, how to fight and and how to uh, finally achieve the the freedom. Uh, and we see the same future for Ukraine, but U- Ukraine needs support. We've been vocal, by the way, for many years about what might happen to Ukraine, to some other countries as well. Um, and uh, we have, we well, now it is a little bit of a saying that we told uh, everyone, we, we, we told you so, about the intentions of, of Putin. Uh, this is very unlikely that this tragic war has eventually started, but it's not too late to stop it. But we have to take courageous act, uh, like today's uh, act by, by those leaders who, who traveled to Kiev to stand together with Mr. Uh, Zelensky. Uh, on one hand, on, on 
symbolic uh, manner just to, to, to show him the support and that we stand strong with the Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian nation. But we also, uh, there has been discussed uh, what next steps could be potentially taken in order to, to stop Putin in this ridiculous and outrageous war. You know, uh, and everybody, we are talking to Poland's consul in New York, Adrian Kubicki, and you bring up the great point of of two great leaders of Poland, the Deputy Prime Minister Kaczynski, also the Prime Minister Morawiecki going. Um, Poland has really taken a lead on so many of these things. I mean, first of all, you've taken in so many refugees, um, but also, as you talk about, also trying to protect Ukraine in so many other ways, too, uh, with the offer of the MiG jets. Also, I was seeing just about an hour or so ago, uh, there's a discussion of maybe a peacekeeping sort of force there, maybe an armed peacekeeping sort of force there on the ground, uh, you know, in part with NATO. There's all these different solutions. But Poland really is really trying to make a difference. And I think it is that bond. Um, But also Poland understands security, too, certainly, Consul General. Well, I think we learned, I mean, Looking at the Polish history, which is so complex, and even the Second World War, uh, you know, we know how it starts and we know how it might end uh, without offering that support to, to Ukraine. And although we are not involved in that war, this, we are not a part of this conflict as, as Poland, as Europe, as, as NATO. Um, our Prime Minister, Mr. Morawiecki, said very openly today uh, that this is not just about uh, defending Ukraine and defeating Russia uh, on their invasion in Ukraine. It's about the, the future of Europe. Europe will not exist as we know it and as we cherish it uh, if uh, Putin uh, succeeds in Ukraine with, with, with this uh, invasion. So he must be stopped. Um, and, and there is no question mark on that. We advocated for, for sanctions, for the most severe sanctions, for, for all the actions that eventually um, uh, were implemented in, in supporting Ukraine. Uh, obviously, Poland will not do any steps alone. We are allied with the United States of America, with, with other European allies. Uh, we work within the European Union, but within these structures, we are, we are very vocal of what Ukraine really need. And obviously, as much as, as uh, some, some of the uh, part of the agenda that has been discussed uh, is, is, is probably uh, confidential and cannot be disclosed at, at this moment, uh, I strongly believe that, that also the message that will come back to Europe through our leaders is what Ukraine really needs. Uh, this face-to-face meeting gave that opportunity also to listen to Ukrainian leaders, what they really need and, and what are their ideas how to how to finally end this war and, and free Ukraine. Absolutely. And we know that uh, President Zelensky tomorrow is going to be making a huge appeal to the U.S. Congress, uh, asking for many, many different things. Real quick, um, first of all, amazing what you've done with the refugees. It's an extraordinary amount. How is Poland handling just that massive influx of refugees? We just have about a minute left. I would estimate that within the next two days we will uh, reach over two million refugees that has uh, came to Poland only within three weeks, uh, and we haven't built even a single refugee camp, and that speaks for itself. So all those people are accepted by regular, ordinary Polish people to their households, to the apartments, to the houses. 
uh, only from uh, that sense of what is the right thing to do. And, and as you know, because you are uh, Polish, uh, we always know what to do. So this is of no surprise. This was just basically the right thing to do. And we will take care of these people, obviously, also with the help of our allies. Uh, so they are safe in Poland, and they, they definitely found their, their safe haven for the time being. Obviously, we're hoping that they will have a free choice very soon, whether they want to go back to their country, they want to stay in Poland, uh, um, when Ukraine will finally be a free country again. Absolutely. Well, Poland's consul in New York, Adrian Kubicki, thank you so much for joining us on such an important night thank here on the Rita me. Cosby Show. And, and bravo again. Uh, to to our because it's it's my second homeland Poland of course uh, to the great prime minister and the deputy prime minister too as well for having the courage to go there in the war zone it sent a message to the world and it was spectacular thank you so much for joining us thank you so much thank you and everybody when we come back we're going to take your calls here on the Rita Cosby Show one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 Rita Cosby is on. Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment on the Rita Cosby Show, a San Pablo, California police officer saved the life of a choking baby. Police officers were called to the scene about a baby not breathing. And when Officer Roy Bang arrived, he knew exactly what to do. He quickly grabbed the baby, gave it a back blow, and rubbed its back. And after these life-saving measures, the baby quickly started breathing and crying. When paramedics arrived, the baby was alert and breathing. They took over and took the baby to the hospital for recovery. Incidentally, Officer Bang served as a paramedic for seven years before becoming a police officer. So that was the right officer to respond to that call. Thanks to Officer Bang's quick response and action, the baby will be okay, said the chief of police. And bravo to our great men and women in blue. Well, you just heard from Poland's consul in New York, Adrian Kubicki, talking about a really gutsy and I think just powerful message coming from four world leaders, the prime minister and the deputy prime minister of Poland, also the prime ministers of the Czech Republic and Slovenia, all going in to the war zone today in Kiev. And in the last few hours in Ukraine, it has gotten really brutal. Uh, There continues to be massive, massive bombing. And reporters that are in Kiev Uh, First of all, we've heard some heartbreaking stories. We know of a producer at Fox News, um, somebody who was working their freelance on the ground, died from injuries after an attack, they believe, by Russian forces, obviously. Um, Also, there was a photographer, too, who died. We also know a a reporter and a documentarian who was working with The New York Times. It's getting so dangerous there on the ground in Kiev and all over the country. And bombings and Strikes and word of ground forces coming into some of the other major cities really has the whole country on high alert. And tomorrow, in a matter of hours, President Zelensky of Ukraine will make a passionate plea, no doubt, to U.S. Congress saying, we need your help, that the Russians are about to level the capital city. They are inching closer and closer. We know the tanks are. We know that also strikes have been hitting apartment buildings and hospitals and schools and shopping malls. I mean, how much do we have to see? How much carnage and how much death 
and how much destruction do we have to see before Congress puts some pressure on Biden to say, what else can we do? We're the greatest power in the world. And think about the guts again. Poland just went in in the middle of the bombing and said, we're with you. You know, you just heard Slovenia do the same thing. Czech Republic did the same thing. We need to galvanize the world and all look like leaders together. We're this incredible force. And I hope that Congress can put some pressure on President Biden to get them whatever the Ukrainians need right now, because this is a critical, critical moment. Many military strategists believe that the next few days are the key for the war. Will the Ukrainians be able to fight off the Russian? Could they then be mired for a long, long time and then leave with the tail between their legs, hopefully, you know, out of Russia, you know, and and go back to Russia, you know? Could that be the end result? Boy, would that be a good one. You know, or could they come to the peace table? Boy, would that be a good thing as well. A legitimate peace move as opposed to sort of saying we're going to go to the peace table and and say we're going to open humanitarian corridors and then they start bombing civilians. But, you know, Putin has been brutal. And so far, nothing we have really done has stopped him. Nothing we did ahead of time. And I think we could have done more, certainly. And now Senator Joni Ernst, Republican, said it is time to give the Ukrainians the help that they need and that this is a pivotal moment, not just for Ukraine, but really for history of the world. Take a listen. It's imperative that we step up as a United States of America with our NATO allies and make sure that we are providing every opportunity for the Ukrainians to push back against uh, Vladimir Putin. That includes MiGs. That includes other forms of lethal aid as well as the humanitarian aid. And you just heard from Poland's consul said that, yeah, they offered the MiGs. They want to do it, obviously, in coordination with the U.S. and NATO, that they go in as a force together as a team. So maybe Biden will open up and say, yeah, send them the MiGs. I mean, I I understand maybe the no-fly zone. I understand why they're worried about then it becomes, uh, you know, us shooting down a Russian plane. Then, boy, that does escalate things. But can't we give them MiGs and can't we give them some of the Patriot missiles or equivalent thereof? Isn't it time to hurry up and get it, like literally like tomorrow? I mean, there shouldn't be any waiting. Who knows what, you know, Ukraine's going to look like behind Zelensky when he's speaking to Congress. I mean, can you imagine what it's, how many kids will have died between now and then? They are apparently hundreds of strikes taking place all over Ukraine. This is catastrophic. And Joni Earth says, you know what? Biden's philosophy and Biden's handling of this has been just waffling all over the place and sends a deadly message. What I don't understand from this administration is why we would signal to Putin that we would waver on any commitment to Ukraine. Uh, I think it's part of a deterrence package that we say, yes, President Zelensky, we will send you what you have requested. And Senator John Kennedy Uh, who puts it like nobody else knows how to put it, says it's time for Biden to step up. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes, particularly in this instance, uh, President Biden has uh, has a wishbone where his backbone ought to be. Uh, Poland offered to uh, send the planes which Ukraine desperately needs, to an American and NATO Air Force base in Germany where they would be transferred to uh, Ukraine. That President Biden said, no, that makes me nervous. 
Well, there are other ways we can do it. Uh, we can have the Ukrainian pilots go directly to Poland and pick up the planes and fly them back. Um, Poland can truck the planes to the Ukrainian-Polish border and have the Ukrainians drag them across. There are a number of ways we can do it. But it just seems to me that President Biden is saying, I don't want President Zelensky to have the air cover that he needs. And I think that is a grave mistake. I know it makes the president nervous, uh, but, but the, the Ukrainian people are dying. And how many are going to die before we say, gosh, I wish we would have? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Kevin in Brooklyn, New York. Kevin, your thoughts about what we should do now for the Ukrainian people, and how do you think Congress is going to react to Zelensky, who is definitely going to be pleading for help? Hey, Rita, I mean, I understand the motivation. No decent human being can look at what's happening in Ukraine and not say, why can we not do more? But we have to ask ourselves a serious question here. If this leads to provocation, if this leads to escalation and ultimately conflict between the U.S. and Russia, do we really have confidence in Biden as commander in chief to shepherd us through that conflict? And furthermore, we have to ask ourselves, is this worth our conflict? Is this the right battle for us to be in? And I know these are really hard questions, but I can't certainly answer yes to the first question. And I'm very unsure about the answer to the second question. And so that leads me to believe that we should be trying to de-escalate as quickly as possible, allowing Inferno to burn out as quickly as possible, to getting as many people out as possible, and taking a humanitarian stance and addressing the much bigger fracture in Europe in a different venue than going into the trap that Putin's laying for us and attempting to draw in a superpower that's unfortunately led by an extremely weak leader. Yeah. You know, Kevin, you bring up some great points because you're right. So far, you know, our president has been very lackluster in all these efforts. And in fact, he said he's going to go to Europe next week. My, my thought was, why are you waiting? You know, this is a crisis. I, you know, I don't know if Ukraine has next week. You know, I mean, if you look at some of the images, you who knows? Um, And you're right. It's so complex and it's such a heavy um, decision. And there's so but the fact that, you know, what I don't understand, Kevin, is why he couldn't like have snuck in the mix. You just heard even, you know, Senator Kennedy. Um, We also had, you know, uh, General Kellogg. We had a number of these leaders. We had Secretary Wilkie, who's a former Veterans Affairs Secretary, talked with them last week for our podcast. And he said, Kevin, you know what? You don't have to tell tell anybody. Just somehow those MiGs show up there. We did it in World War II where he sort of pushed it over the border of Canada. There are ways to get around it. And there are ways to put it on a truck. There are ways to put it in parts. Imagine had we done that maybe even a few weeks ago, a few months ago, because Putin was saying what he was going to do. Um, and, and, Kevin, I want to play a comment to your point, um, and I want to get you to react, actually, because you seem very thoughtful on all this. This is Senator Kennedy talking about why he thinks we should send the MiGs, because he talks about the history of Russia never sort of draw, you know, drew the line between giving you know, giving weapons and firepower versus airplanes. And if you look at the history, this was really interesting. Take a listen, Kev. In the Korean War, 
Guess who sent planes directly to North Korea? Russia, then the Soviet Union. In the Vietnam War, guess who sent planes directly to North Vietnam? Russia. Does that change your mind? Because they definitely did it in the past. It was okay for them. They didn't draw a distinction then. Well, I guess, I mean, two things. One, um, would we view North Korea and the communist Vietnamese regime as being a success that we'd like to perpetuate in Ukraine? Um, And two, I mean, I think the world order today is very different. And the U.S., has has rightly pivoted away from Europe to Asia Pacific, and for us to be drawn back into um, a conflict with an important military power, but but honestly not the, our our true um, enemy, which is China. I, I think we have to make a very difficult choice here. And once we provide air assets via a NATO state. We essentially are going into a full-scale military conflict with Russia. Even if we're even Russia, if we're not doing the pilots, because remember that's an, I don't think we should ever give the pilots. I understand the idea of the of not supporting a, a no-fly zone for that reason. But, but even if it's Poland, Ukrainian right? pilots, no. But Poland's then providing air assets. Poland is a NATO state. I mean that's a provocation. Russia has already said that they will view that as an act of war, and so. Let's say it's only a 25% chance that that draws us into a conflict. Again, do we have confidence in Biden as commander-in-chief to lead us through that 25% potentiality? I certainly don't. And I think we have to take the longer view here that we have to get past Biden. Biden's term is going to end. Congress's control is going to end. We're going to have to approach the fractured you know, euro state issue that Ukraine represents now over the next two to four years, and as opposed to beating the war drum and getting drawn into a conflict that could potentially have very serious negative consequences when we have one of the worst commanders in chief of of our history of the country. Oh, I hear you, Kev. You bring up some great points. Thank you. That was a really interesting call, Kev, because I hear what you're saying, and but the thought of, think first of all, what Ukraine is going to look like if we just sort of walk away or kind of half support them and don't fully support them in a way because they have shown such unbelievable courage and such unbelievable might, even in a David and Goliath fight. And they've kept Russia at bay. And if you listen to some of the, you know, the great military strategists out there, they're saying this could actually turn in Ukraine's favor. I'm not sure about that. I think the worst of the Russian onslaught is yet to come. But a lot of military strategists are saying, gosh, if we can get military hardware to them and really fully supply them, again, not us flying the planes, not any NATO flying the planes. They're not talking about the no-fly zone. They're talking about getting the MiGs and getting them some of these Patriot missiles and some of these other things where they could shoot out some of these missiles that are coming in, some of these air defenses. If they could do that, they might actually be able to turn this war and keep the Russians at bay. That would be an extraordinary feat. And that would dramatically change the course of history. Think about if the Russians win, and guess what? They struck right by Poland. They struck 10 to 12 miles. Doesn't that embolden Putin? And that's a scary thing. It's it's sort of a, a lesser of two evils. Do we want to abandon it either? That is a very scary premise for the world. Let's go to Brian in Long Island. Brian, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts, Brian? Hey, how are you doing, Rita? Good. What do you think, Brian? 
Um, no, I think it, it's insane for you to say that uh, we should go after food. We should send planes there. I think we are. This is not our war. Has nothing to do with us. And that's a nuclear superpower. So the best case, the best case scenario is we go there and we save Ukraine from whatever's happening, which I think is all nonsense, by the way. But the worst case scenario is Putin reacts by nuking us. So if you have a family at home in New York and they get nuked because we went and, and tried to help Ukraine, that's an ass. That's it, it, the, it, the risk reward is not even close. Yeah, and by the way, I hear you. That's why I, I feel like it is such a difficult decision. And that's why I understand the no fly zone. But I also think there are many more things that we could do militarily. Listen, there's a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas here. And I also think, Brian, by the way, we absolutely should have fully supplied them much more early on. Um, and that might have even deterred. Putin at that point from even coming in had he known that there were many more troops. I mean, he was amassing about a year ago 70,000 troops near the border. I mean, he signaled what he was going to do. You know, maybe at that point we could have put all the military might in. But you're right. The stakes are really high. We're dealing with the nuclear power. On the other hand, acquiescing to him is also a very difficult decision. Think about the repercussions of that, not just for Ukraine, Brian, uh, but this is a guy who has made no bones about wanting to kind of rebuild the Russian empire. And that goes well beyond Ukraine. Um, so, you know, you don't want to say for history, gosh, I would have, you know, I wish I had done something more. And I think there are a lot of people who are saying that, but I, I hear you. There's, this is not an easy decision whatsoever. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. I love all your calls, and I love hearing, because this is, boy, the stakes could not be higher, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you think President Zelensky will say to Congress tomorrow morning, and what do you think the U.S. should do? You just heard from a couple folks who said, you know what, maybe don't give them anything, that this is not our war. There are others who say, like Joni Erst and people on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats coming out and saying we should at least give them the MiGs or give them Patriot missiles or the equivalent thereof to be able to shoot down some of these missiles that are just bombarding Ukraine. I mean, the capital city, which at one point was 3 million people, now it's about 1.5. About 2 million of them, by the way, overall in the country, are going to be in Poland. There's almost close to that right now. You just heard from the consul general. So what do we do? Do we just sit back and let Putin take over the world? Do we acquiesce because we have a weak U.S. leader? I don't think so. I think we got to do something. I want to hear what you think we should do. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show in Kiev. They are bracing for, quote, 36 hours of hell as many new explosions are being heard right now in the capital city. Uh, by the way, um, overnight last night, 60 airstrikes heard. Um, and so far, more than about 100 children have been killed by Russian military strikes, and many more are believed to have been killed, just are bodies basically laying in the rubble, because in many cities that are taking place right now in Ukraine, there is just, you know, 
Unbelievable bombardment, unbelievable pounding. By the way, 900 missile strikes at least so far by the Russians since this invasion began. Think about that. And they are targeting now many civilian locations, hospitals, uh, targeting apartment buildings, schools, shopping malls, you name it. Putin is ruthless. And the Red Cross, the International Red Cross, said particularly in not just now really many cities across Ukraine, but in Mariupol, that is one of the ones where, of course, the Russians came in really early on. And more than a week now, there has been no food, no water, no electricity, and very few people are getting out. They are being squeezed in there by the Russian forces. Take a listen to the situation, according to the Red Cross, in that city. But the bottom line here is that hundreds of thousands of people remain without aid today. They are unable to leave the city today, and they are essentially being suffocated in this city right now with no aid. Senator John Kennedy said there is only one bottom line for history. Well, we need to win this war. We need to win it militarily. We need need to win it economically. I don't think we have to do something foolish to achieve either of those ends. But we need to do what's best for the world, the American people, and for the people of Ukraine. So what is best for the American people? What's best for Ukraine? And what is best for world security and our security? That's going to be a huge topic, as it has been the last three weeks, but especially as the president of Ukraine will virtually be joining a full session of Congress, basically both houses, and be pleading his case as to why he needs urgent, urgent military help. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Jimmy, what do you think we need to do now for Ukraine and for America? People are sitting back and they're pretty much defending what Putin's doing. They're ignoring the fact of what Ukraine is going through. I can't believe this. They sound like Putin's spokespeople. This is insanity. We have to help the Ukrainian people. You know, Hitler gave us peace in our time, and that turned out to be wrong. Gorbachev gave us peace in our time, and that was wrong. We're seeing it now. Russia and China have been collaborating, colluding for 100 years together. We're, we're in a mess. The people of Ukraine got to be helped. This is hurting America's image around the world. You know, in Soviet publications, this is a very important point, I'll make it short. In Soviet publications for decades, they write what they want to do, they write what we all have to do and agree on, and if we don't agree on it, we are threatening nuclear war. The Soviets have been using this for decades, and everybody's afraid. I don't want nuclear war either, but we have to fear them, so we give them what they want. They don't have to fear us. An act of war, if we help Ukraine, Putin is committing acts of war every minute of every day. So he's, he makes war, and if we oppose it and try to stop it, we are committing an act of war. You see how this only works one way? Absolutely. The people of Ukraine are caught in the gears. And by the way, Jimmy, dying, Jimmy, you hit, a, you hit a good point because we, we miss that leverage. First off, obviously, the whole issue of energy independence, which we lost, that was foolish, I think, for America. Um, under this presidency, but also we lost the leverage where Putin was worried what we might do. You're right. It's like we are just reacting, 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 and poor Ukraine is getting slaughtered in the process. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. A big night here on the Rita Cosby Show right after the break. Feisty, fearless, and fair. 
she's an Emmy-winning journalist. From the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, this is The Rita Cosby Show. latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And everybody, you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show, that sound of air raid sirens. Well, this seems to be the worst night yet in the country of Ukraine as air raid sirens are blaring in more than 20 cities. In the country, which means that 20 cities right now are on high alert and many of them are being struck by Russian missiles tonight. And the capital city of Kiev is said to be getting pounded as Russian troops are getting closer and closer, coming in in different directions, getting closer to the center of the city. Still on the outskirts, but certainly close enough to strike. And take a listen. This is President Zelensky of Ukraine describing what his country is going through. Every night is a horrible night. Russians are shelling from all kinds of artillery, from tanks. They're hitting civilian infrastructure. They're hitting buildings. And they are hitting apartment buildings. They are hitting civilian structures left and right. Also hit a subway station, by the way. I mean, locations wherever they think that individuals, that people are, and not caring if it is women, children, whatsoever. Here is President Zelensky giving a total, which many believe will be a lot higher uh, in the coming days. Take a listen. Dear Justin, dear guests, can you imagine that every day you receive memorandums about the number of casualties, including among women and children. You've heard about the bombings. Currently, we have 97 children that died. 97 children that died, and many people believe that there will probably be at least another zero after that, after all the rubble is cleared, because many people are under the rubble. Um, By the way, also tomorrow, of course, will be pivotal because it could be one of the most historic days in the sense that President Zelensky will be addressing Congress remotely, of course, virtually. Uh, Think about the security issues, too, you know, because he is the most wanted man in the world by the Russians. And so under intense security, he will be doing a virtual address basically to Congress and pleading for military aid and describing what is happening there to his country, which is just getting shattered left and right. And in terms of what's happening to the kids, we just heard about the deaths of the kids. There are so many children that are becoming refugees. Uh, We're just getting word that UNICEF is basically saying an average, get this, of seventy-five to 80,000 children have become refugees every day. Talk about catastrophe. 75 to 80,000 children are becoming refugees in Ukraine every day. That is a stunning, stunning number. And we just had in the last hour, we were talking to the Polish consul in New York. 
they believe he was saying, and this my jaw dropped too, because I know it's come close to that number, but he believes in about two days they will have reached two million refugees in Poland alone. Didn't have time to set up refugee camps, didn't have time to set up. Many people are just taking them in in their homes. This is the biggest catastrophic migration in human history since World War II. And to think about children, that many children, and the major bombardment by the Russians is just beginning. So don't you think that the U.S. should do something? Is there something we can give the Ukrainians, NATO, not just U.S., but part of NATO, all of us together as a consortium that can hopefully stop Putin in his tracks? He thought he'd be able to take over the country and especially the capital in a matter of days. That was one of the sort of early projections that everybody was saying. Clearly, the Ukrainians have fed him off basically now. It's been about three weeks. So that's pretty amazing. That's pretty gutsy. And they say they are staying and fighting. They're not fleeing the capital. They are staying and fighting. So don't you think we should try to give them something? What do you think we should give them? Should we give them MiGs? like the Polish government has offered to do? Should we give them Patriot missiles? Should we give them the S-300? That's the Russian-made anti-aircraft missile defense system that would basically be able to shoot down planes and shoot down missiles incoming. Uh, That's a very sophisticated weaponry. Can't we just sneak it in? I mean, why do we have to? Why are we, like, announcing and having this public debate about it? Obviously, we should have sent it in there months ago. Maybe it would have thwarted off Putin. Maybe it would have saw military might and said, "Uh uh-oh, I don't want to mess with that country. You know, I don't want to mess with that. Clearly, it's too late for that. But is it something that we can do so it won't be too late for the future of Ukraine and maybe the future of Europe? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to, let's go to Valerie in New Jersey. Go ahead, Valerie. Your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. Love the show. I The callers are phenomenal. I agree with everybody. But I just wanted to say one thing. It breaks my heart for the Ukrainian people and these children. You know, Biden had no problem allowing open borders and illegals to come over and wanting to give them everything. Why aren't we helping these refugees? Why aren't we helping Poland? They're going to be bombarded. Why aren't we helping these refugees? That that could be part of how we help the Ukrainian people. Yeah, I agree. Um, and in fact, by the way, the Polish government was talking about giving them, I'm not sure if it was a one-time deal or if it was continuous, but like a $65, they've been giving them clothes, they've been giving them food. I mean, it's really basically all been on Poland, which has been extraordinary. I mean, Poland's been unbelievable. Um, but you're right, there's definitely got to be some efforts to help them. And you think about exactly. the people who truly love freedom and, and appreciate America and are, you know, certainly, you know, individuals who are fleeing a duressful situation. If there's not a more difficult situation situation than literally a place where bombs are flying, um, we should open our arms, I agree, to them and do whatever we can to help them. And also help them if they want to be resettled in Poland or wherever else. You know, many, maybe they want to stay there. Um, listen, let's pray that the country has peace and they can go back to their Homeland, I pray at some point. But great point, Valerie. Thank you very much for the call. Let's go to Mike uh, on the Lower East Side of New York. Go ahead, Mike. Your thoughts about this? 
How are you, Rita? Yeah, I mean, if, the first thing I pray for is some kind of resolution. But if not, it's still not too late for the Ukrainian pilots to go take the planes and take off with them. Uh, have the Poles bring them right to the to the edge of their border. They, they're still their land, all right? The, the, the hell with what the Russians think, all right? And let's go have the Ukrainian pilots get in, tow them across the, the border, by either by hand or by car, let them get in and take off with them. And make sure they, they're resupplied, you know, with uh, ammunition and fuel. But uh, they got it. They still could do it because if they wait for the tanks to come in and close that window of opportunity, it's over. They could still do it. Don't worry about what the Russians think. Just do it. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. listen, by the way, the Russians have already come out and said um, anybody who imposes sanctions, that's an act of war. Well, that's all of NATO, obviously, already. They've already come out. Putin says everything is an act of war. So, you know, I mean, you bring up a great point because, you know, he's he's claimed everything so far as an act of war. And, you know, what I think we should have done, first of all, Mike, was not telegraph it, don't you? I think it should have just happened. And I think the president should have just somehow in the middle of the night put it on a plane and somehow they ended up there. And who knows how they got there? Don't you think, Mike? I mean, come on. It's still not too late. They can still do it. Just do it. Don't worry about what they think. What are they going to do? They can't do anything worse. Let them let the Ukrainian pilots go. Take the planes. Have the Poles bring them close to the border where, where it's still their property. And then have tow them by hand or by car across the border. Get in and take off with them. And make sure they, they, they can be resupplied with ammunition and fuel. You know, they don't wait for the tanks to come in close that window of opportunity. Just do it, man. Let, let the Ukrainian pilots go and take the planes. Well, I, and by the way, Mike, I agree. They deserve a fighting chance. They have certainly fought heroically. Uh, Zelensky's been an unbelievable leader as opposed to some other leaders that we've seen. Um, and boy, they deserve, I think, the best that we can give them to at least have a fighting chance. And again, I wish we hadn't telegraphed. I wish it had just sort of suddenly shown up. And at least, even if we're not going to give them the MiGs, give them some of these Patriot missiles, give them some of the S-300 so they can shoot down some of these missiles that are coming in that are striking um, now civilian areas left and right. I mean, Putin doesn't care where he's hitting. In fact, it looks like he is purposely targeting, it almost seems like almost 99% civilian targets. I mean, this guy is a monster. Um, let's go to David in San Diego, California. David, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, David. Hi, Rita. I hope President Zelensky looks at the congressman and says, I'm not going to ask for anything because I know it's a waste of breath. But I'm going to tell you that while you think you're doing politics, what you're really doing is you're writing your nation's history today. You're making the same mistakes you made in Europe 90 years ago. And since you're not going to give us any weapons, just keep in mind that every fight that the Ukrainians do today is one less fight the Americans will have to do tomorrow. Yeah, I, I agree. You, I By the way, David, I, I agree that he should. I think he should ask because, you know, I think it, it needs to be on record that he's made the ask. But I actually agree with you. I think he needs to say the history of not just Ukraine, but of Europe and potentially world security is on the line. And do you guys want to be sitting there as Neville Chamberlains years later? Because a lot of them are sitting there going, oh, da, da, da. And, you know, Poland, Poland understands it. Guess who went in today? Poland, Czech Republic, oh, yes. and Slovenia. Because <laughs> guess what? They get it. They're neighbors. And, and, and suddenly if one missile ends up in one of those NATO countries, because they're not just EU countries, those three are also NATO countries, guess what? 
then it's Article 5, and then we're, we're thrown in. There has to be something so Putin feels like, you know, that he's got to get out of there. And I also think at the same time, David, I'm a big believer you need a bit, you need military might. You know, you need strength. You know, as Ronald Reagan used to always say, you know, you need to send that message through strength. But you also need to negotiate. But you're not going to be in a position to negotiate when you got Putin saying he doesn't have to do anything. He's just going to kind of we already had, you know, we played it earlier. The ambassador from Russia saying we're not going to be done till our military objective is done. Like like as if everything going on with U.S. and the sanctions, that's all a sideshow. It's like we're laser focused on our military objective and until we basically turned, you know, Ukraine to rubble and maybe the next country, you know, then, you know, then maybe we'll talk. You know, I mean, this this is not the way to solve history and, and for world and national security, David. Well, I feel much better knowing that our president is going over to Brussels next week because I'm sure he'll take care of it. Oh, my God, David. <laughs> David, you boy, are you a comedian? I knew you had a good sense <laughs> no. of humor. Oh, Lord. (laughs) David, thank you. Great call. Thanks Thanks. so much. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hills. uh, Stan, your thoughts about all this? You know, there's an old saying when you play poker. If your opponent's showing four aces and you're showing nothing, there's only one thing left to do. Tip over the table. And that's what we have to do. Tip over the table. Now, what do I mean by tip over the table? Yeah, what do you mean, cut and run, Stan, or what do you mean? Did I say that? Now, you're putting words in my no, mouth. No, I'm asking, I never said cut I'm and run. asking a question. You said, you I know what? I have an answer. I've by, had the, it. by the way, Stan, for the record, yeah. I'm a pretty good poker player. But, Me too. But go Me ahead. Too. All right, all right. But uh, <laughs> if you're showing nothing and he's put tip over the table, that's the answer. But here's the point. There is nothing going to stop the Russians at this stage unless we go in full force. Nothing. Nobody wants to say it. Everybody's saying, well, we can't do it with this and that. We've got to stay out to their fight. No. Nothing's going to stop it unless we go in full force. And that means only one thing, folks, nuclear war. That's it. Bottom line, that's it. But again, and I'll bring it up again, and I keep being told, don't say it because you repeated yourself. There's one answer where we can, don't have to be involved and we can use a third party. And I'll say it again. No, you EU member, no NATO member, and that's the Vatican airspace. Bring the MiGs through there. They'll have the uh, Ukrainians go there, do it. Get the Pope off his rear end. Prayers are not going to help these people. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. So let the Vatican, for once in their history, do something that they'll stand up and be remembered for. This is the time. Ninety years ago, they turned their back. Now they cannot. It's Catholics being killed in the masses. Even you know that. They must stand up and they must allow. The president, who is Catholic, must speak to the Vatican directly, even Cardinal Dolan, and say, hey, let's open up our airspace so the planes could come in here and fly out. There's no other answer because NATO isn't going to do it and the EU we're boxed in, sadly. Well, and also, don't you think, Stan, and and by the way, I – I don't think they would want the MiGs near the Vatican, although they have a good landing pad there right there, you know, right there in St. Peter's Square is a big area there. Um, But I could see the Pope maybe trying to bring both sides to the negotiating table. I brought that. I I actually think that's a creative idea, Stan, that you brought up, because I think there's a way. I mean, the Pope has always sort of seen himself as a peacemaker. So that might be the chance. That might be the meeting that Zelensky and Putin could bring together that way. Um, but I think, 
listen, part of the reason we are here where we are is because Biden was so lackluster. He left Ukraine high and dry, didn't supply them, didn't do anything that would have put Putin in his place. And that's why we are in such a perilous, terrible position right now. And I think it's just been so just dismal. And Putin's emboldened. Stan, thanks so much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And at this hour, we know that dozens of cities in Ukraine have air raid sirens. And in addition to the bombing that's taking place um, from the air by warships and also missile strikes, some of them coming from Russia, now word of Russian warships that are shelling the Ukrainian coast in Odessa, which is one of the big major ports, of course, in the world, actually, a very well-known city, and leaving a number of people Injured satellite images are showing, get this, an ominous sign, 14 ships of the Russian fleet sailing toward the city of Odessa. Uh, That is a very, very ominous sign. Again, Russian warships sailing toward the city of Odessa, which a lot of people believe was next sort of on Putin's list there. That is in the south. Um, And if you look at sort of where all the different areas are, sort of like middle of the country to the left and the south, and that is a major, major port in Ukraine. And again, some ominous images, satellite images showing 14 ships of the Russian fleet um, shelling, some of them shelling, some en route to the major port city of Odessa. And again, as this is happening, we also know that there is a curfew in place in Kiev. It just started a few hours ago. It's going to be in place for 35 hours because the mayor, the mayor there has said that he is extremely, extremely concerned uh, about Russian airstrikes and also Russian forces coming into the city, not just by air, but also by ground, and wants to make it clear that if somebody's on the street, they are probably not there for good purposes and to separate the good guys from the bad guys a 35 hour curfew not just in key but also in Lviv and a couple other major cities too as well but particularly with a big focus on Kiev as it is getting pounded as we speak so what tomorrow should president zelensky say what does he need to say to congress he has made it clear And I want to play cut number two of Zelensky because this is him talking specifically saying that this attempt by Russia is to try to break the people of Ukraine. It is trying to destroy civilian life structures. I mean, not just the infrastructure, but the will of the Ukrainian people. And he says right now there is no way they will fight till their last blood. Take a listen. It's an attempt to destroy everything that we as Ukrainians do. It's an attempt to destroy our future, to destroy our nation, our character. And he says Ukraine will not break and that it will be hell on earth when the Russians get to the center of the capital city. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Brett in New York. Go ahead, Brett. Your thoughts about all this. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Um, I wanted to mention something, uh, an interesting point about something that you mentioned in the, at the beginning of the last hour, where you said that 
um, some world leaders, including Poland, the Polish Prime Minister went to meet Zelensky in Kiev, and that was very brave of them. But I just wanted to point out that for Zelensky himself, he's constantly un- under threat of Putin going after him, and he's, he keeps on going from place to place. But at the time that he met those world leaders, he was at a very safe place because Putin was not going to take a chance of attacking Zelensky and take a chance of, of hurting another world leader that was in the room with Zelensky because he's not interested in starting a war now with Poland. And if not so yet, that, that not time. yet, Brett, you know. So that was a very safe time for Zelensky. Yeah, no, that's actually a great point. Leaders. But you know what's interesting, Brett? I, I thought you're right for that moment it is. But then think about Brett when he leaves, you know, uh, or if somebody got in the room. I mean, that's why there's such unbelievable security around him. And also tomorrow, by the way, um, he's going to be joining Congress virtually But you can bet that they're going to be trying to trace where is that signal coming from? I mean, you know, you know, are there patterns of his behavior? You know, with all these death squads that are out to get him by the Russians. Remember, they brought in the Chechens and they brought in this Wagner group. Talk about unbelievable security. We're going to continue after the break, everybody. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, one of my favorite, where we get to honor our great men and women in the military. A beautiful story coming out of Littleton, Colorado, where a church there with an honor guard marching in with the American flag as bagpipes are playing Amazing Grace. It was a day that took place this week to honor a hero who sat next to his daughter and his granddaughter. The gathering of people was designed to honor a World War II veteran, Gilbert Herrera, and it was a way to say thank you to him in person for his service. Herrera volunteered for service when he was just 18 years old, going on to fight in several European countries and also liberated a concentration camp. And one of the attendees said, we just hope it helps him realize that he is a hero to all of us and what he did for history was important. And boy, is that prophetic, given everything that is happening right now with Ukraine. And again, just hours away from President Zelensky, who is going to make a very strong plea to Congress. It's going to be a virtual address. We were just talking about the massive security around President Zelensky. And you can bet that they're going to be trying to move him around because they're trying to figure out these hit squads that Putin has employed to bring into the ground. There were reports a couple of weeks ago now. It's been, I can't believe it's been like two weeks when we were hearing that about 400 assassins were brought in by Putin to try to get Zelensky. He is literally the most wanted man in the world. And you've all seen the movie Taken. You've seen, you know, with Liam Neeson. Um, you know, you can imagine what these hit squads that are Chechen. Um, they are a number of like ruthless individuals. A number of them come through this guy named the chef. It's actually a guy who was a chef for Putin who actually oversees sort of his dirty work and sort of farms it out. And it's through a group called the Wagner Group, believe it or not. And this is a group that Putin has used in the past. And they've employed those individuals. Those guys are ruthless. They take no prisoners approach. Also, the uh, Chechens, he's got a number of Arabs working 
There's, it's just, it's an unbelievable like, combination of some of the most frightening individuals you can imagine that are trying to locate him and a number of others that are on their hit list. And we know that they have been kidnapping mayors. Think about the guts of the mayor of Kiev, who is standing strong for his city and says he's not going anywhere. Uh, I mean, these people have guts of steel. And Senator Lindsey Graham said he only wishes that our president had 1% of that guts. He's AWOL. He uh, agreed uh, on March 6th, the Secretary of State said, that we would greenlight a transfer of MiGs, uh, Polish MiGs, into Ukraine. We were okay with that. A few days later, when Poland asked us to be part of the transfer, we, uh, we folded like a cheap suit. What I think happened is that the Russians told Biden and his team that if you send these MiGs in, that will be an escalation, and uh, they were intimidated by Putin. We can't let Putin determine who's in NATO. We can't let Putin determine mm. what we do to help the Ukraine. So, no, I think the president folded like a cheap suit. So do we need to change the dynamics? And is this president folding like a cheap suit? I definitely think he's folding like a cheap suit. The question is, how do we change the dynamics to change the fate of Ukraine and also world security? Because if Russia takes over Ukraine, guess what? Poland's going to be nervous. A lot of those NATO countries that are right there are going to be nervous. And America is going to be nervous because one day he has clearly signaled he has other plans as well. And yet tomorrow, what will Zelensky get out of Congress? What is he going to get? out of Biden, you know he's going to make a passionate plea and say, as one of our callers who just called in and said, he's going to say, look, think back at World War II. If you could do it all over again, is there something else you would do? Well, today, Jen Psaki was asked, Circleback Saki was asked during the White House briefing, why is Zelensky, basically, is he going to come back empty-handed? Is it sort of a futile effort for him? Because the White House has already said, we're not giving the no-fly zone, we're not giving the MiGs. So what can they give him to turn the tide in history? Because it really is on the brink. Either the Russians are going to come in soon and take over that city and and slaughter it, or the Ukrainians can keep up their valiant fight and hopefully kick Putin's butt. Or maybe some Russian can kick Putin's butt. Whatever happens, as long as his butt is kicked, that's all I care about. Take a listen. Here is Jackie Heinrich talking with Circle Back Saki today in the briefing. It sounds like, you know, we're pretty dug in on our position when it comes to the no-fly zone, when it comes to uh, the MiGs, uh, despite this growing call, bipartisan call in Congress to shift a little bit. So, to put it bluntly, is Zelensky wasting his time tomorrow asking for these things? Well, I would say because of the passion and the courage and the bravery of President Zelensky, there has been support for expediting the delivery of a historic amount of military and security assistance and weapons that have helped him and his military fight back against the Russians. And I would say that, yes, we recognize there are a range of bipartisan calls, but what we have the responsibility to do here is to assess what the impact is on the United States and our own national security. A no-fly zone is escalatory and could prompt a war with Russia, a major nuclear power. Uh, the planes, our military did an assessment that's based not just on the risk, but whether it would have a huge benefit to them. They assessed it would not because they have their own squadron of planes and because the type of military assistance that is working to fight this war effectively is the type of assistance we're already providing. So is that a reasonable 
answer or is that just a punt? I mean, for me, it's a punt. You got to come up with some solution. Are you kidding me? In World War II, they found solutions. And we can't come up with some solution now to avert war, to put Putin in a corner to say, okay, maybe push him back to the peace table so he'll finally be a serious broker at the peace table. Well, if you look at what the president's doing, he's planning on going to Brussels, but he's planning on going next week. How is that going to help Zelensky? I'm going to go to it next week at some point, kind of lollygagging. Maybe I'll skip tiptoe through the tulips. You know what? They don't have that chance in Ukraine if you're looking at what's going on right now. Time is ticking, and he's sitting there going, oh, what a beautiful day it is outside. Ukraine's like, boy, I'm getting pounded from every direction. What a mess. And in the middle of all this, he is going to all these Democratic events. And I'll just tell you, as an American, it offends me. I don't like him going to these events and sort of talking politics right now. It should be all hands on deck on how to figure out what's going on in Ukraine and how to avert what's going on in Ukraine. He's been going to these events saying, oh, listen, this is Putin's price hike. This is this. He seems so worried about his own reputation. What about the territory of Ukraine? I think it's a little more important than how you're, quote, perceived in the media or how you're, quote, perceived, you know, right now from a public relations standpoint. And I can't believe in the middle of all of this, at a time where there could not be higher stakes than what's been going on in Ukraine, not just for Ukraine, but for the world. And we're going to hear definitely about that from Zelensky in a matter of hours. It's because it's going to be 9 a.m. Eastern time when he goes before Congress again virtually and makes his case and pleads for more military hardware and more support, saying that we have a narrow window now to save Ukraine and save freedom in that part of the world. And in the middle of all this, Joe Biden and his team have deployed teenage TikTok stars basically to try to change the impression on social media because he knows he's getting hammered with, you know, high gas prices, with inflation, uh, with the worst cost of living crisis basically in 40 years. And his ratings, his poll numbers are tanking. So he's so focused on that that they actually had time to reach out to a series of TikTok sort of stars and get them to kind of put the message out for good old Joe, as if that's the priority right now. And as if anybody thinks that if they looked at the skyrocketing prices that have happened for the last year, I don't think Russia was in Ukraine for a year. You know, I mean, I think it's been about three weeks. Yes, it's hurt. But boy. We were hurting well before this because of this president's policies. Take a listen to one of the TikTok stars that the White House seems focused on at a time where Ukraine is focused about its future. Why is gas so expensive and why is the United States inflation rate at a four-time decade high? I had the opportunity to ask the White House why gas down the street is $7 and here's what they said. The obvious reason we are getting out of a two-year pandemic when use goes up, price goes up. But the call is predominantly about Ukraine and Russia, so how does that relate? Russia is one of the top three producers of oil, and it is actually their number one revenue source. Now, with Putin starting this horrific fight between Ukraine and Russia, nobody wants to work with him and do an international trade. So, with people being scared of war and limited resources, prices are bound to go up as well. For the people who can't pay $7 for a gallon of gas, there's an app called Gas Buddy that shows you the cheapest gas near you. Wow, that sounds awfully desperate. 
First of all, trying to go to TikTok stars to try to spin the message so young people go, oh, well, maybe Biden's policies didn't lead us into this mess. First of all, that's not where his focus should be right now. And he shouldn't be at like Democratic events and fundraising events. This is not the time. He should be over in Europe ASAP. Or maybe he's better off staying in his bunker in the basement. You know, maybe maybe it's less damage there. Staying in the basement. one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Nancy in New Jersey. Go ahead, Nancy. You're here on the Rita Cosby show. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, Rita. This is the first time that you and I are speaking, and I just want to say you're one of the gutsiest gals I've ever known. Thank I watched you. Your co- oh, you're welcome. I've watched your coverage in the war zone, and you put everything on the line to tell the truth to the world, and and you you can be nothing but commended for what you did. Thank you. It was you. an amazingly brave act. Thank you very, very much, and I'm a big believer in, you know, as a journalist getting out there, and I have been in war zones. And and sadly, as we know, a number of journalists in the last few days have lost their lives there in Ukraine. Absolutely so. And you put yourself you put yourself in that situation. You're an amazing role model for young women in this country. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Nancy. Oh, you're welcome, Rita. Anytime. Um, I I wanted to call to talk to you about something that I think you you would need to source out for me because I don't think I can do it myself. I believe that I read an article not too shortly ago where President Trump and and Vladimir Putin were talking about a general, you know, in general war. And Trump's President Trump said to Vladimir Putin, but of course, you know, we would never use our nukes. And Putin said to Trump, no, you would never use your nukes. I always consider that an option. And that sent chills right down my spine. I believe that if we believe if we think that he is bluffing, we would be very wrong. You know I what? Also, By the way, you I, bring up some great points, Nancy, because um, there were discussions. But also uh, one of the things that Trump did say was basically, don't push me. Don't test me. So he didn't totally leave it off the table. Um, that was the interesting thing with Trump and Putin that, you know, they had a relationship where they spoke. Um, but they also both, you know, were very much sort of uh, men with, you know, strong personalities, to say it lightly. Um, and also to say it where the, he also said, don't try to test us. Don't try to ever push us. That is not my intent is to go there, uh, President Trump. But um, we have the power and do not push us. And one thing, by the way, President Trump also repeated this even, by the way, just recently, saying he has really been the only president. I mean, if you think about uh, of the last few presidents that has not had an incursion by Russia under his tenure in modern times. I mean, if you think about it in recent times, he has not. Um, And that's because I think Putin was a little concerned that if anybody is, you know, going to bring in the full military might of USA and hopefully, by gosh, it would never get to any of what we're talking about right now. Um, but he was worried that Trump might do it, and so was North Korea. They were worried that he might do it. And, you know, it was interesting, Nancy. We had on our show here um, General Kellogg the other day, and he said a, a really powerful line. He was the national security advisor for then-President Trump and also then-Vice President Pence. And he said that all the world leaders, because he was on phone calls with Putin, 
He said he would hear Putin's phone conversation. It was right there on the phone because it, when the president talks to another world leader, there are other people in his cabinet around. And he said he was on the phone for 18 phone calls with Putin. And he said that it was clear that Putin was worried that Trump was rational to say certain things, but also had an element of irrationality about him, that he was worried about what he might do. And I don't see that right now with Biden. Not that you want to say, hey, my nukes are bigger than your nukes. God forbid. We never want to get to that point for sure, obviously. But they have to have an element of being worried what the U.S. and NATO might do. And I don't get that sense now, Nancy. What What are your thoughts on that, just on the philosophy point? Because Sadly, we have seen evildoers in history before. We see Hitler and we see, you know, uh, we see now in modern times, we see Iran and we see North Korea and, and obviously issues with China for sure. And if they don't feel like, wait a minute, we're going to be backed into a corner or worried about the might of America or the might of NATO or the EU, um, then they just put it all on the table and just kind of do their own thing. And that seems like what Putin's doing now, Nancy. And I agree, and I think that the streets have been littered through all of time with the bodies of people who have been sacrificed when leaders have acquiesced. Right, and you cannot acquiesce. Yeah, and that's why I wish, you know, Nancy, and I'm a big believer um, that I would love nothing more than to see some peace deal happen for Ukraine, you know, and, you know, immediately um, and Putin to go back and, you know, maybe the issue, and, and even Zelensky said it today that, he would say, you know, basically was talking about taking NATO off the table. Maybe there's something that can be, you know, some deal and Putin can save face, if you will, and he goes back to his country and NATO and Ukraine can uh, we can all help rebuild it. I'd love for uh, Putin to have to pay for all of it. Um, but, you know, the problem is there are evil people in the world. And just like a bully, you cannot let a bully get away with it. You have to have them worried about you. And right now. Um, we're looking like wimps, and, and I and that scares me for what he might do, how he will take advantage of a situation like that, and that's really scary. Um, Nancy, thank you very much for your sweet words, too, and I'm so glad you called into the show for the first time. That's awesome. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And at this hour, there is a curfew in many of the major cities in Ukraine as they are bracing for what seems to be one of the worst nights they have experienced so far. Air raid sirens going off again in more than 20 major cities in that country and the capital city getting struck with multiple missiles. Right now, it looks like Russian troops have still not gotten to the center of the city. Um, There are apparently reports of them being on the outside, and there are reports of strikes taking place at civilian targets, apartments, hospitals, schools, and so many other civilian structures. And we know that we are now hours away from President Zelensky of Ukraine, who I think has been an incredible, courageous man, making a plea, and it will be probably a historic plea, and it could be a turning point for history, too, I think, tomorrow before U.S. Congress. This is Senator Lindsey Graham saying it is important that Congress puts pressure 
on what he believes has been a very tepid U.S. president to do something now for Ukraine before it's too late. Take a listen. Congress is far ahead of the, this administration. You had Amy Klobuchar, a Democrat from Minnesota, calling for a reevaluation of the denial of MiG fighters to Ukraine. There's plenty of bipartisan support uh, to help the Ukraine with air defense systems and MiG fighters. So the administration mm -hmm. has this cautious approach. You know what leads to escalation? Weakness. And in the middle of all this today, circle back Saki, this is what she had to say about the accomplishments of the Biden administration. Let me give you just a couple of examples of assets that have already been seized. Alexei Mordashov's 213-foot yacht was impounded in Italy. Gennady Timchenko's 132-foot yacht was seized in Italy. Andrei Melnichenko's 469-foot, $578 million superyacht was seized in Italy. Sergei Chemezov's $140 million yacht was seized in Spain. Igor Sechin's 280-foot yacht was impounded in France. And Alisher Uzmanov's $18 million resort was impounded in Sardinia. That is just the beginning. Wow. So do you think that Putin cares if a yacht has been seized? And do you think Zelensky, that's helping him? He needs planes. He needs help. Let's go to Dan in Ohio. Dan, what do you think that uh, Zelensky should say tomorrow, and what do you think he'll get? Well, what he should say, he won't say. That him and Joe made a serious blunder when they didn't listen to the leader of Germany, the most powerful country in Europe. They warned, he warned Joe and Vladimir that don't talk about entering NATO because it's going to cause bloodshed. And that's what we have. We could put 100 of those bigs in the sky. That would be an exercise of futility. So where, where, where do you see this going, Dan? What, do we just cave to, uh, to a thug this, like Putin? This, oh, this is where I see it coming to. India, China, and Russia have 3 billion people. England and this country only have 385 million. That's nine times as many people. And India... And China need that fruit basket in Ukraine, and they will stop at nothing. They will help Russia win this war, even if NATO enters it. We're going to have a world war before it's over with. Well, listen, I hope, by the way, that you are wrong. Of course, we all hope that you're wrong, because I hope that there isn't going to be a world war. Uh, but I do really worry about the future of Ukraine and also where it could spill over. Let's go real quick to Kevin in New Jersey. Go ahead, Kev, your thoughts real quick. Okay, real quick, Rita. Uh, I, I echo Nancy, the previous caller's uh, uh, praise to you about your gutsiness. So real quick. Um, thank so you. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. I feel like it, nothing as gutsy as what the people of Ukraine are going through. My goodness. Okay, so we have we have a bully on our hands, and we have maybe somebody who's mentally ill, right? So, and everybody uh, keeps being afraid of World War Three, right? This guy keeps uh, taunting us. So, what do uh, we do, killing, real quick, Kev? Real quick, killing pregnant women, right? And 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 we're afraid, right? So we need to find out we need to hold biden accountable as to what he's beholden to about Putin. no great I, point great point what why is he so tepid and let's see what happens tomorrow we're going to talk about it tomorrow night everybody have a good night
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 